Well, good morning, Springbrook. Um, I'm so happy to be continuing and wrapping up uh, this series on uh, the life of Elijah. Um, We were doing this four weeks before Thanksgiving, and Pastor Dan has done a fantastic job of laying out his life and the depth of God's character being formed in him. He didn't start off amazing. It was God working slowly with him to do great things. And I'm praying he does the same thing with each and every one of us. And so as we, uh, as we begin this, we're going to pick up right where Pastor Dan left off. Um, we're going to look at uh, the call of Elisha. And so in 1 Kings 19.15, God instructs Elijah to pass on the ministry, the baton of ministry, to Elisha. Now this doesn't happen in one day, but it starts in this passage. Elijah follows God's instructions and anoints Elisha as a prophet. And it goes like this. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing the field with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was the twelfth. Um, Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak or his mantle on him. Right? And that's how the story begins. And he, uh, Elijah is just following the instructions that God gave him. And he puts his cloak on him and Elijah says, Oh my goodness, you want me to be a prophet like you? And, and Elijah says, yes, that's what, exactly what this means. All right, well, Elijah says, let me go home, kiss my mom and dad, and offer a sacrifice to the Lord. And, he, and Elijah says, go right ahead. Uh, we'll be on our way when you're done. And he does. And he starts this process of handing over the baton. Now, it starts with putting on that cloak. And just before this, God reveals to Elijah that there are 7,000 people in the land of Israel who have not bowed to the altar of Baal. And so, there, I think God has a reason. He says, this is going to be your main disciple, and there are 7,000 potential disciples out there. And I think this is Elijah's new call to make disciples. Go out, focus on one, but make many. Um, And so today we're going to study the passing of the baton, which is discipleship. So that's when, when I say passing on the baton, I mean the process of discipleship. It starts with this. The first step, confess Jesus as Lord as Savior. Second step, join the church, begin studying the Word. A lot of you, I think you're moving that direction, right? So third step is to connect closely with other believers and be discipled yourself. Fourth step is to help others walk with Christ using whatever gifts, knowledge, and ability that God has given you to make disciples like Jesus did. And so Elijah is doing this. And Christ calls us to do this everywhere we go. And we see this laid out in Elijah's life. And I want to mention one thing here. The church is God's chosen great instrument for discipleship. Use, that is what the church is for, is to make discipleship the, the center of people's lives. And so uh, that's why it's so important to be here, to be involved, to, to be in a ministry, and to choose to uh, allow God to use you through the church. It's His chosen instrument. 
But it doesn't just stop at church. Your marriage is a chance to make disciples. Your parenting is a chance to be a disciple maker. Your family relationships with your brothers, your sisters, all of your earthly relationships have this chance for the potential of discipleship if you're willing to pass the baton. Now, in order to illustrate this point, uh, I wanted to talk about the Olympics because obviously there's a great sport in the Olympics where they pass the baton. And we're going to start with the, the past two most recent Olympics. In 2008 in Beijing, um, after watching the men fail to qualify for the Olympics because they dropped the baton, the women's team for the 4x100 relay steps up for the qualifying race. We've got to redeem these guys. But guess what? They also fail to qualify because they drop the baton. The United States is not represented at all in two events we probably should have won. We don't even get to show up. We missed, we failed the test. So it didn't matter how excellent or how fast our runners were, if you add up all their times together, if they can't pass the baton, there's no race. It's over, folks. We have got to learn to pass the baton. So after the failure of the 2008 Olympics, the ladies went home and got to work. And they learned and they, 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 they studied and they, they, they focused their energy on running well. But you got to know, they worked hard on passing that baton. And so they returned to London in 2012. Now the men are going up against Jamaica's Usain Bolt's team, fastest man in the world. The women are equally matched, we thought. But the baton passing here, watch it, lane seven. There's a price off like a rocket for Jamaica with Madison outside of Madison. Also going very strongly indeed around the bend. And Madison may even be a little bit up on Fraser Price. USA and Jamaica as they go along the back straight. Still both running very strongly. The US have super changed over there. Alison Felix here to Bianca Knight. Wow, terrific run there. And the Jamaicans in second place as Fraser is further back. We'll come back to that later on because this is a brilliant run. Knight will hand over to Jetta, well ahead of Jamaica, Campbell Brown to Terence and here they come now, Carmelita Jetta, this is a huge lead for America, let's look out for the time, this is special, this is a world record, by a huge margin, 40.82, 27 years after the GDR had run 41.37, this wonderful US team has run 40.82 world records don't get broken by that much they have here by 0.55 what a fantastic set of performances there Madison, Felix, Knight and Jetta all ran superbly
all changed the batting brilliantly, and they won by a huge margin. Well, at the end of that, the announcer is saying as it fades, um, all ran superbly. All passed the baton brilliantly. And they all won by a huge margin. They blew the old world record out of the water. They beat it by a half second, which in, in Olympic time is light years. I mean, they, they, way to go, ladies. <laughs> and I don't know if you were watching lane seven, but it was hard to see how fast they passed that baton. It was like in perfect stride. I mean, it was flawless every time. I was watching, and I just, all of a sudden, it appeared in the next person's hand. It was awesome. Anybody see the same thing? It was like, whoa. They were moving. Yeah? It, it, the, the stride was awesome. And Pastor Dan has shown us over the last few weeks, the last four weeks, that Elijah had the ability to run well. He had the ability to trust and obey. And today I want to talk about how he then passes the baton. How he hands off to the next generation. So let's look at that. So Elijah puts his cloak on Elisha and begins this process. And a lot of events are happening, and, and Elijah is watching the whole time. Elijah threatens two kings with death because of their idolatry, and both of them die. He calls down fire from heaven twice more. He already did that once. He does it two more times. We can summarize this by saying Elijah continues to obey God with exceeding trust and exceeding courage right in front of Elisha. Elijah's watching Elijah set the example of faith. And most scholars would agree that this observation and walking together period lasts for at least six years. Six years. So the baton isn't passed in a day. It's a six-year process. Are you ready for the next six years to pass the baton? Right? That's how long it takes. Right? We can assume also that Elijah and Elijah are very busy with the 7,000 people that God pointed out before. Because when we come up on them six years, at least six years later, there are schools of prophets now. So not only has Elijah been making Elisha his disciple, he has also started schools in different cities and has begun teaching the Word through those people, and they will then carry on the tradition. So Elijah is not just passing on one baton. He is handing out batons as quickly as he can get people to run, right? As quickly as the Lord calls them. And so despite being a flawed man who struggled with fear and despondency and suicidal thoughts, he was faithful to go make disciples. At the start of today's passage, God is sending Elijah to bid farewell to his disciples. To say goodbye. Because it's time to come home. 
And so he's told Elijah, I'm taking you home. You're not going to experience death. And all the prophets at the school, they're kind of ready for the information. We don't know how they found out. I believe they were told by God. Because they are prophets. And they said, oh, our master is going to be taken from us. And so they... uh, Sent, or God sends Elijah to go visit them one last time. And so here's this man who was terribly flawed, doing great things and being given an honor that's almost unbelievable. And the honor is huge. Why is Elijah so special? Scripture says his nature was not any different than ours. He's not special. He's a sinner like us. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So Elijah could make disciples, not because of his nature, but because of what God was doing, right? Maybe, maybe Elijah had some special family pedigree training, right? Is that true? Well, no. Here's, here's what it says. Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba in Gilead. Elijah was a mountain man, Right? That really doesn't set him apart as, hey, mountain man, disciple maker, dude. You know, that just doesn't work. Okay? So it's not his, his, uh, his nature is not any better than ours. His heritage is probably worse than ours. Right? Maybe, maybe he just looks the role. Right? Maybe he just, maybe he's got a nice suit. He wears nice robes and clothes. Right? Maybe that's what it is. Sorry. Here's the answer here. 2 Kings 1.8 He wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather about his waist. Did you do well on that show Duck Dynasty? Those guys have no style, right? Everything's camo. And he is dressed like an animal. So no special clothes, no special pedigree, no special uh, ability within his nature. He was an ordinary guy and God calls him to make disciples. There's no excuses. All we need to do is trust and obey and try to pass the baton. Are you trying? Where are you making disciples? Where is that effort going for you? We, by the power of, the, by the power of God, have the same potential that Elijah had. We, by the calling of God in the Great Commission is go make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and I will be with you always until the end of the age, right? That's our, we have that same call, go make disciples. So same ability because of God's great ability, and same call because of his great commission. So we got to do what Elijah did, listen to God's voice, obey God's voice, Make disciples, run this race, and pass on the baton. Amen? So let's start up in our passage. Second Kings two, chapter one, or chapter Second Kings chapter two, verse one. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a, by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now, I I often wonder, God, why did you name these two guys who are so closely matched and will be preached together so often, so closely? 
because I promise you I am going to say the wrong name. It is to humble men who preach the word, I think. And so uh, we'll continue here looking at these two guys. But here's the first point that we see right at the beginning. They're walking together. Right? They're spending time together. And Elijah says to Elisha, hey man, I got called somewhere. You don't have to go. What's Elijah's response? As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, as long as he's there and you're here, I'm with you. We are going to be intentional about spending time together. Lots and lots of time. Every opportunity that we get, we are going to be together. So I don't care if you have to walk 25 miles to Bethel and I have no reason to go with you. God hasn't called me to. I'm still going because I want to be with you. We're going to make disciples. We're going to have to open our lives to be with people a lot. And some of you go, oh no, I can't do that. By the power of God and the calling of God, you can. You can do it. And so, they went down to Bethel. Elijah tells Elijah, Elijah tells Elisha that the walk's about 30 miles. And then says, then they make this promise and go together. They have a high level of care for each other too. You get that in this, right? It's covenant care. I promise, I'm going with you. It's a, it's a promise to be together, isn't it? It's a, a high level of commitment and care for one another. I'm going with you. Walking together. Discipleship involved, it has a key component in the quantity and quality of the time that you spend with people. If you're spending it on yourself, it's dropping the baton. But if you're walking together with a high level of care, a high level of commitment in the ways that God wants you to go, then that, is a, that leads to a successful passing of the baton. All right, back into the passage. Uh, point out a few more things here. Verse 3, And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elijah, Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master, take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep quiet. It's interesting. The sons of the prophets. I found a point here that was pretty interesting and I looked into this one. And if it would have just been Elijah's follower, they would have left sons of the prophet, meaning his followers. But these schools of prophets claim to follow prophets, right? That the ministry was probably shared between Elijah and Elisha. They did the ministry together. They shared the leadership role. Elijah was handing over responsibilities for the ministry to Elisha. Right? Making him watch. Making him observe. and Do what he did. Right? If you're going to make disciples, you're going to have to do ministry with your disciples. You know, we, go, we went on the uh, East Coast missions trip, and I hear pa- Pastor John, I mean Pastor John, Elder John, he's sitting right there, and Pastor Rich, they're pretty crazy on mission trips. They go anywhere, do anything. They'll preach on buses. They will, you know, they do it all. And I, and I, the 
when I heard about their trip, I was like, I'm in next time, man. I will go. But the truth of the matter is, is we have to make disciples in the missions process. So the East Coast team did not consist of Pastor Rich, Elder John, and Justin. You sent a whole team. And we did the ministry together. And we watched each other, and we observed each other, and we shared the responsibility. If you're going to make disciples, and, and you're trying to help someone walk towards Christ, you need to give them responsibility in the kingdom of God. Teach them how to do it, how to make disciples of their own, how to use their gifts, how to get to work. So there it is, right? Scripture calls them to do that. The more responsibility you share, the higher the level of discipleship that tends to happen. There's another point here that I think is critical. Elisha and the sons of the prophets refer to Elijah as master. It will take your master, our father, right? They call themselves sons of of Elijah. There's submission here that's profound. It's strong. Elisha does what he's asked. Even in his first calling, Elisha says to Elijah, I know you want me to go, but can I go kiss my mom and dad first and offer a sacrifice to the Lord? Can I do that before I go? The submission starts right off the bat. And if you're going to make disciples, you've got to learn to run with submission and teach submission as you pass on that baton. Right? There's this great scripture here. Uh, and in this scripture, it, it doesn't come natural to our hyper-individualized, self-obsessed culture where we are in charge of our own fate and masters of our own destiny. That's kind of the American rugged individualism, right? This scripture is tough on that concept. God has instructed us to submit to our spiritual leaders and tells us to do what they tell us to do. So here's the verse, Hebrews 13:17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now that scripture is not messing around. Right? Um, I just got back from a junior high retreat last week, um, and that night the, uh, we had the Thanksgiving gathering. And Dan told me before I left on the junior high retreat that he wanted me at the Thanksgiving gathering. And I was like, oh, I will have no brain, I promise. I will have no energy. I need three days of sleep after that thing. And I get an amen, Emily Phillips, right? <laughs> and so I'm exhausted. I do not want to go. But I don't groan in my heart. I say, He just told me to. And I went to the Thanksgiving gathering, and God spoke to my heart. And I am so grateful I did what I was told. And I think you have the opportunity to be blessed in submission by doing what you're told. Being a youth pastor, I get this opportunity to observe students as they mature very rapidly. 
it is an awesome ministry to be involved in. And one of the things that's, that defines an ah moment is when I tell them to do something and I don't give them a reason why and they go and do it without needing one. They're just, okay, and they're off. I'm like, bingo, we just hit a spiritual milestone. They just did what I told them to do without asking why. Then their parents show up and they're like, how did you get them to do that? Right? I'm like, I don't know. Holy Spirit power, not me. Right? And so it's an important thing to learn to do what you're told. But we don't like the answer because I said so or because I told you to. Does anybody not like hearing that from their parents? Right? Nobody, and we don't want to hear that from our, our pastor as well. So now I'm going to get you. I'm going to jab you with the baton right here. Are you ready? Our elders have asked us to become members. They just asked. Now, I've looked over the covenant, and they ask us to go into a covenant relationship, right? And I think God is really into these covenant relationships. You can see it with Elisha and Elijah. Is they enter a covenant. They may make an agreement together. I'm going with you. We're together in this. Right? And I've looked over the covenant of membership that, that our elders ask us to sign. Right? And there is, it is biblical all the way down the list. It's a duh, 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 if you know the Bible. It's not like they're asking us to do something crazy. It's just what the Bible calls us to hold each other accountable to do. And so they've asked us to do this. And when I first came to Springbrook in 1999, they asked me to do this. And I went to the three-hour class, and I signed the covenant, and I took got on the stage with my new wife. woo And we were members. And then I came back, and I'm like, and they said, oh, you've got to be a member to be here. I'm like, I already did that. And they're like, do it again. Uh, three-hour class, again, paperwork, again, because I said so. Okay. God blesses you through those things. I want to challenge you. If you haven't, if you've been here for a while, and this is considered your home, this is your church, if somebody asks you where you go and you say Springbrook, don't make it about just your attendance. Make it about your membership. I'm in a covenant relationship with people at Springbrook Community Church to walk with Christ together and make disciples together. We pass the baton. Amen? So I'll be done on that one. I hope I drove that one home pretty hard. Because I said so. All right, back to the passage. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But But he said, as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Here it is again. Am I saying the same thing? Wait a minute. I'm not reading the same passage again. Nope. The last one was Bethel. This one's Jericho. It's exactly the same, though. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know. I don't want to talk about it. Keep quiet about it. Right? Let's let him say his thing. He's saying his last words to us. It's about him. Right? So this event is 20 more miles away. So Elisha is faithful. And I think there's two reasons that 
the Bible repeats itself, and there's probably three or four or five because God has an infinite number of reasons for doing any one thing He chooses to do. Right? And so I think one of the reasons is to show that Elijah has ministries in multiple cities. He's got a... He's, he wants the whole area. He wants as many disciples made as possible. The second thing is to show Elisha will continue to follow him faithfully. And so back into the Scripture verses. verses verse 6 here. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But Elijah, he, but he said, Elisha says, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now here's an interesting last part. I'm going down to the river, dude. There's no, there's no one you know there. We're just, I just got told to go to a river. I'm going with you. I'm going with you. We're going to stay together. I love this. Elijah's proven, Elisha has been proven faithful three times. Now 50... Verse 7, 50, son, 50 men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. So 50 prophets follow them for at least 10, 15 miles, right, somewhere in that range, and stood at a distance and they observe. And this is important, right? So why are these guys observing? God probably has told them to go and just watch. Right? Then Elijah took his cloak or that mantle or that big piece of hairy fur that he wore called an outfit, right? And he slaps it on the water. He he takes his he took his cloak and he rolled it up and he struck the water. And the water parted to one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. Does anybody know where this miracle, the crossing of the Jordan, not the Red Sea, the crossing of the Jordan happens before? Joshua chapter 3. They're entering the promised land. They're going home. Right? To their, the home that God has appointed for them. And so, uh, Elijah repeats a miracle that has happened before as the Israel goes into the promised land. Now, why are they observing? Why are the 50 sons of the prophets observing? We'll keep that in mind. They're watching the Jordan. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elijah said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And what does that mean? Does, does that mean, Elijah, I know you, you know, Elisha, Elijah, I know you carry, call down fire three times, but I want to do it six. I want to blow some stuff up. You know? And... and and I, I want to I part water twice as big. And he's not asking for double that power, right? He's asking for what's called a son's inheritance, the, the firstborn's inheritance, a double portion. When you go, I would like to have, I would like to take over, but I cannot do that unless the Lord gives me the strength, unless He gives me the kind of power that you have. So I need the firstborn's inheritance. So that's his request. It's a humble one. Elisha knows he can't do it without the Lord's power. Right? 
And so he asks for the, Holy, the, the Spirit of God to be placed on him. And he asks for responsibility for the ministry. He's been passed the baton pretty well. He has a love for the ministry. He loves what God is doing through their ministry. And he wants it to continue, even if he has to go on without Elijah. He says, I'll, I'll carry the baton. That's fine. But I need the Lord's help. Don't we all need the help? So let's do that. Let's ask, the God, ask God to give us that spirit that's willing, that's filled with his power. And Elijah says to him in, the, in verse 10, You have asked a hard thing. And it is a hard thing to lead the ministry. I sit next to the, in the office next door to the guy who leads, and it is a hard thing. Leading is not easy. But it's not for Elijah to decide, right? He says, listen, here's the deal. I can't give you my power. It was never mine in the first place. Only the Lord can give you His power. And you can only receive it by obedience, by listening and following His voice. And so, Elijah humbly admits that the power is not his own. And he shows, he says, Elijah, Elisha, sorry, if you see me taken, then I think that's God's way of saying the mantle, the responsibility, the baton is yours. And as they still went on and talked, so they keep talking and walking, behold, <laughs> behold, so I, I don't think they were caught by surprise on this one, right? That's not the way this is laid out. It's not like these chariots of fire snuck up on them. Whoa, what was that? You know, That's not what happened. I think this moment needs to be in a movie and to show the real panic on these guys' faces when this event happens, right? Two... Now, let's just time out here. They, have, they don't have MGM Studios to do special effects. This is the real deal. And they've seen fire called down from heaven before. But this is like, whoa! This is mind-blowing. The horses are on fire. The chariot is on fire. And the charioteers of Israel are driving this thing. This is God's, like, mega-flaming taxi to heaven, Right? No, it's not taxi, like super limo on fire, right? And there it is. And this moment, if I were in this moment and I had never seen special effects, I would be freaked out. I would need a new mantle. Something bad would happen. I would, that's scary. Would anybody else be scared if, if they saw in the distance two flaming horses, all that coming right at you? And so you try and move and you try to stay together. Like, we're buddies, let's stick together. And that thing drives right between you two. I'm going to guess Elisha had to kind of jump out of the way. Because that was coming for Elijah. Right? So one, one gets back and, and the charioteers grab, right? And they draw in Elijah and he's gone. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. So... Ah, 
Elisha is left behind screaming, ah! you know, he's totally freaked out. And that was his, to him, that was his father. He's just, my mentor, my leader was just taken up by flaming horses on a flaming chariot. So he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. A great, a great moment. Man. So that, that, that is over, right? That chariot of fire has come and gone. And what's left behind is that big piece of hairy fur. Right? The mantle. The same mantle that Elijah... Put on Elijah, put on Elisha to call him in the ministry, but then he put it back on himself and walked. Right? So it was put on him temporarily during his first calling. I don't think he's worn it since. Right? It's just he's got the calling of the prophet. Well, now it's laying at his feet. And before he picks it up, it says this Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. That could mean two things. First is probably that he was in severe mourning. I'm going to miss that guy. I loved him. What are we going to do without him? I'm so I'm filled with anguish. And the other one is this. My old life is over. This is done. Right? So he tears his cloak into two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan River. He goes back, and remember who's watching, right? Fifty guys on a hill, ready to observe what is about to happen. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had, that had fallen and struck the water, saying, now this is an important phrase, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And so he says, here's Elijah's cloak. Where is the God who worked through Elijah? Boom! Water separates. And when he struck the water, the water was parted to one side and to the other. And Elisha went over. So this shows those 50 witnesses. Somebody has the new double... Somebody got the inheritance blessing, right? Somebody is now carrying the baton. God's power now rests on Elisha. Now, I think that was a glorious moment of Elijah being taken up into heaven and, and, and not having the sting of death. That's awesome. Flaming chariots and awesome sound effects. We went through the whole thing, right? That's a great experience. But when Elijah looks down from heaven... What do you think he's more excited about? That he was honored or that the ministry continues? And I think Elijah was looking down from his heavenly rest saying, that is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. The ministry, your work goes on and on. Thanks for using my boy to do it. Right? That's what he's excited about. That is passing the baton of faith. Being taken up into heaven, that will happen to us. 
if we are in Christ. That is a definite thing. But passing on the baton of faith, that needs to be our focus. That needs to be our goal. And so with that, I want to challenge you to find a way to make more time to teach them to submit and obey, to walk together, to make a covenant relationship of walking towards Jesus. Do that. Find a way to do that. Become a disciple who makes disciples. That's the challenge of today's message. Pass on that baton. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, um, You've given us a beautiful work to do. Like Elijah received that second calling to go make disciples, Lord, we've received that same calling. We've received the same power of the Holy Spirit at work within us to do this great work, and it doesn't depend on our abilities. It depends on our willingness to listen and obey. Help us to do that, God. Help each person to take the next step towards making disciples, to open their lives to a a discipleship relationship, go to small groups, or or select a a person to make disciples with or, or beside. God, help us to do what you call us to do. Help us pass on the baton of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.